Hey, this is Pastor Matt. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we pray it speaks to you in a life-changing way. I've been uh, uh, thinking about this for the last week or two and it's just been in my spirit and, I, and it's a message I think for us this morning. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or whatever, grab it if you would. Turn in the Bible to Matthew. We'll get to it in a moment, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at this subject for the next couple of weeks. I don't know how long it's going to take exactly. I've said it many times. I get ready for a sermon and it turns into a series. And this is what's happened again because I knew I couldn't get it all out today. So we're going to be looking at this for a few weeks. And it's just entitled this Prayer Lessons. Prayer Lessons. Um, and, and the importance of prayer. Why do we need to pray? And what does it look like when we pray? And, and, and do we pray? Maybe that would be where we need to start. Do we pray? Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. I, I just want to read a, a passage here to us this morning to get us started and kind of get us thinking this direction. Matthew chapter 6, verse Five, and I'm going to highlight a couple of spots as I read this, and you can underline them in your Bible. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to take some notes uh, regarding this passage. Jesus is, is uh, with the disciples. Now, Luke, when he records this, Luke says that the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We, we've seen you do miracles, we've seen you move, we've seen you do un, unreal things, we've heard your teachings, we, we, we've got to experience all of this, but you go away, some reason, you go away and you begin praying, teach me how to do that. How do we, how do we pray? In verse 5 in, in the book of Matthew, Jesus begins teaching them, and he gives them this model prayer. And he says, whenever you pray, everybody say whenever. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by all people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, everybody say, but when. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, secret re- will reward you. When you pray, everybody say when. I'm seeing a pattern here. Whenever you pray and when you pray. And again, he says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they, uh, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you even ask. And then the model prayer. Uh, I'm reading from a different version. You should pray like, you should pray like this. You should pray. It's underlined in my Bible. You should pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed, I can't even hardly read it out of my version. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus gives them this model prayer after they ask, teach us how to do it. Teach me how to pray. We just assume as Christians who've been serving the Lord for any amount of time, we just assume everyone knows how to do this stuff. We go, hey, let's all pray together. And we just assume everyone knows how to pray. Stephanie, and I'm going to share part of her story, but she has a powerful testimony of, of when she first started coming to church. Her family did not attend church at that time. They didn't serve the Lord at that time. This was all just kind of foreign to her. She was invited as a teenager in high school by a, a neighbor. That's how she came to church. She went from a family who did not serve the Lord and one kid invited another kid to church and now she's the wife and helps pastor our church. And it's amazing what God has done. And I, and I, and, and I look back at that and her story goes something like this. I came in, I don't know any of this stuff. I don't know. I hear people praying and I don't know what that is. And, and I begin understanding it's, it's talking to God and part of her testimony was this. We would have prayer services, and I would just sit over here, knelt down, listening to people pray just so I could learn how to do it, so I could learn what is this thing, and how do I, how do I pray? And the disciples, they really meant this question, teach us. I, I don't know how to do it. How do we pray? Teach me how to pray. Teach us, Jesus, how you do this. How do we pray? Prayer is, prayer is one of the most simplistic yet powerful gifts God gave us. It's so simple and yet so powerful. Prayer is one of the most useful tools that God has given, yet one of the most underused tools that God has given to us. Prayer is... Prayer is an equal opportunity gift. You don't have to be talented to pray. You, you don't have to be anointed. You don't have to be called. You don't have to have some sort of hands laid on you and, and anointing and, 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 and oil running off of your, you don't have, you just, you just need to do it. It's equal opportunity. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to have any of this. It's equal opportunity. Everyone has the same ability to pray. Everyone has that same ability and that same tool offered. You don't have it greater than I have it. I don't have it greater than you have it. It's, it's just given to all. We all in this room have this same gift and this same tool given to us by God and it's prayer and it's powerful and it's meaningful and it's, and it's so simple yet so life-changing, this, this idea of prayer. And I wonder at times if we've forgotten the value. I, I mean, serious, if we've forgotten the value of prayer, if we've forgotten how important prayer actually is, the, the God of this universe. Now, I'll just, want, just imagine this. The God of this, this universe, the great I am, the creator of all things, the giver of every good and perfect gift, invites us to talk to him. 
That's prayer. The one who created all things and sits on the throne above and he sits in the heavenlies and the earth is as his footstool, the Bible says. That same God, the one who did say, when Moses said, who am I supposed to tell them to send them and you just tell them I am. And that's the same God today who invites us to just talk to him freely. What? That's prayer. That's prayer. It's amazing. We, we kind of overlook it and we just kind of forget the value of this at times. And, and honestly, the very idea that God invites us to talk to him should just leave us in awe and wonder because of this great opportunity that every one of us equally have and how often we don't use it. I just mentioned in, in Sunday school earlier that uh, just recently I was just kind of, you know how you get on occasion, you just kind of get in this wall, this, I, you know, spiritually I just wasn't fired up. And, and all of a sudden I was just thinking about it one day and I was, I, was, I was just going, God, what is the deal? And I realized I have not even, I don't even know why I was asking the question. I realize I haven't been spending the same time, that quality time with God that I was. I, I understood it and I realized I'm, this very subject that I'm talking about today, sometimes even your preacher messes it up. Sometimes even the pastor goes, I'm not spending enough time in prayer. I'm not spending enough time with the Lord. I'm not spending enough time talking to him. So I just wanted to take a few moments today and over the next couple of weeks and just let's look at a few lessons in prayer. Just a few prayer, just a few prayer lessons. Jesus teaches the disciples and he gives them this model prayer. But really, really, I think we're going to learn more lessons from another passage. This other passage, if you flip on over, it's in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 is, I think, the period of time when the disciples may have learned more about prayer than any other time. And you might go, well, I don't understand. They asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, and he did it. Wouldn't that have taught them a lot about prayer? Well, we're going from, from teaching how to pray to showing how to pray. How many understands that, you know, most of us can relate to this. I can teach you something, but hands-on is always far, a far greater teacher than, than uh, you know, someone standing up and, and just talking about it. Here we see Jesus going from teaching them by way of discourse, discourse to, to actually showing them how and what it looks like. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 is, we, we just looked over the last couple of weeks at Matthew chapter 24 and 25. It's, it's about prophecy. It's about last days and end times. And if you're ever wanting to read about that, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25 is where you need to start. It's a great place to be. Matthew chapter 26 brings us right on into the beginning of the end uh, of Jesus' life here on this earth. And, and it, it's, uh, you know, he's getting ready to be betrayed by Judas. They're getting ready to have the Last Supper. And, and eventually it leads them to, to this place called the Garden. And our lessons is going to be coming from the Garden. The time Jesus spent praying uh, in, in the Garden. 
Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. And Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, a garden there, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along with him, Peter and and uh, taking along with him, Peter and the two sons of, sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful, vexed, troubled. He began to, 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 you could see it, the grimace, you could see the pain, you could see the, the sorrow and the weight that he was carrying. You can imagine this in your mind. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Jesus went a little further and he fell face down and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he, be, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When it comes to prayer, how many of us can relate to that last part? How many has ever went, well, the spirit, spirit's willing, but the, the flesh is weak, right? Here Jesus, he's, he's, he knows what's coming. He already knows what's going to happen. He already sees it. He understands that his death is around the corner. He understands. Uh, please understand this about Jesus. He knew it was coming, and he did it anyway. This wasn't a surprise. It didn't catch him off guard. He knew the pain that was getting ready to be, you know, be given out onto his body. He, he knew what was going to happen before it ever happened. We, we put a lot of emphasis on it, and we should, a lot of emphasis on the cross. We put a lot of emphasis on the empty tomb, and we should, but we cannot forget the garden. It was the garden that allowed him to, to, to make it through the cross. Oh, yeah, so oftentimes, and I'm going to preach on this later, but oftentimes we're just going, God, I want the cross. Give me the cross. You're not ready for the cross because you haven't spent any time in the garden. The garden always comes before the cross. Jesus is here in this garden, and he's asking his three closest friends to pray with him, and they couldn't stay awake. And he was grieved, and he was sorrowful, and he was hurting, and it leads us to our first lesson in prayer, and that is the, the purity of prayer. Prayer is pure. It's pure. Now, you're going to notice all of our lessons start with the letter P, by the way. And, but I hope, and that's the plan for, for right now. We'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks. I may start running out of words. So prayer is pure. What, what do I mean by that? Uh, the, the greatest prayers are those of, that are just honest. Those, those that come from a pure place, a pure heart. Those that are of truth, of honesty. It are the, the greatest prayers. Remember Matthew chapter 6, we just read it. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to do it. And, and, and the very first thing that Jesus teaches them about praying is how to do it. The first thing Jesus teaches them about praying is how not to do it. 
He's like, they go, teach us how to pray. And Jesus goes, well, I'll teach you something. But first, I'm going to teach you how to not do it. And he says, you can't do it this way. You can't pray like the, the, the Pharisees who, who get up and they, they want all the, the credit and they want to be in front of everyone. And, and he's not condemning, by the way. He's not condemning public prayers. That's not what he's condemning. He's condemning the heart behind the prayer because the heart behind the prayer wasn't pure. The heart was, was selfish and it had selfish motives and it was coming from the wrong place. Then he said, when you pray, you have to pray this way. You cannot pray like this. You can't get up and pray with, with all of this nonsensical you know, uh, stuff that comes with it. You have to pray from a place of purity from a place of honesty. You really want your prayers to be answered. You really want God to move. We've got to get honest with God. You've got to get honest with God. You've got to get true with God. You've got to get true with yourself and honest with yourself. And it brings us to a place of humility. I don't know about you, but for me, anytime Matt Snyder gets honest with Matt Snyder, it always brings me a place to humility. I was in here praying this week, and, and uh, I was just praying throughout the sanctuary and spending a little time with the Lord. And in doing that, I was reminded of just how, how I, I, I don't want to use the word meaningless, but how small I really am. And it's humbling. It's humbling when you get honest with yourself. The, the, person, the, the hardest person to get honest with is yourself. And here we see Jesus telling them, you can't pray like this. You can't get up and, 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 and want all the attention and look at what I can say and look how well I can say it. Prayers aren't about eloquence. It's, it's really never has been. Jesus began to teach them. He's telling them how not to do it. And he's condemning the heart behind the prayers. And I don't know, maybe you have. As well. I've heard a lot of people pray in my year. I, I, I've heard people stand up and pray, and I'm like, good night, those people can pray. You ever, you ever been around those people? It's like, wow, man, they can pray heaven down. They can pray. They are powerful. I've heard people get up and pray, and I'm listening to their prayer going, I, it is so eloquent, I don't even know what they're saying. God, you're smarter than me because you can understand it. It is amazing. Some people have the vocabulary and it is beautiful and it's, it's just pretty prayers. I mean, they're so, you know, they're just so good at praying. But I understand this morning, God doesn't care how eloquent you are. God has never been up there going, man, I tell you what, that, I'll guarantee God's never sat up there and went, man, that Matt Snyder's got the vocabulary. Wow, that guy's so impressive. Do you think God cares do you think God cares how beautiful your prayer is? Do you think he actually cares how eloquent you can pray? God does not care about that. He doesn't care if you're using King James Version or not. When you're praying, he doesn't care if you're using the thous and the these. He doesn't care. What he wants is a pure prayer, a pure conversation. And I get to talk to a lot of people just because of what I do. And there's been many times, you could ask Stephanie, there's been many times I'll be talking about someone and I'll just go, man, there's people, there's something about them. Something about them that's just not real. It's just not real. I can tell in conversation because when they start talking, I'm going, man, eh, that's coming from somewhere else. That's not, 
That's not right. That's not real. And it stands out like a sore thumb. And I think God sometimes looks at Matt Snyder and goes, Matt, I just want you to pray. I just want to talk to you. And I want you to talk to me. Can you just get honest for a minute? I don't care about how eloquent you can be. And I don't care uh, about how, you know, I don't care about how, how uh, well you can say it and how impressive it may sound. I don't care. I just want you to get honest. I just want it to be pure. I want it to come from a pure place because prayer is pure. It's honest. It's true. When I think of powerful prayers in the Bible, when I think of the most powerful prayers in the Bible, none of them are eloquent. None of them are beautiful. None of them are pro poetic. It just comes from a place of honesty. Let me give you a couple of examples of where I, I think is maybe the most powerful prayers in the Bible. We just read one. Jesus in the garden praying. It's not eloquent. It comes from a, a place of honesty. It comes from a place of hurt. It comes from a place of pain. It's just him talking to his father. And he's actually asking God to, you know, like, God, if you can, change your mind. If you can get me out of this, do it. Knowing good and well, it wasn't changing. But God, if you can, I'd rather not do it this way. But at your will. Just whatever you want, God. Whatever. You, it was just coming from a place of purity. It was coming from a place of honesty and, and he's going back and these disciples are falling asleep and he's like I just want you to stay awake I am hurting and I'm in pain and I'm grieving and, and the Bible says his sweat was like blood can you not just stay awake it was coming from from a place of of honesty it was as pure as it could be he was desperate because what I find is this Desperation leads to pure prayers. Desperation will get you to where you don't care about how eloquent it is. You don't care about what anyone sees. You don't care about what anyone thinks. All of a sudden, it's just real. Desperation leads you there. Desperation leads you there. I've been at hospital rooms before when people were deathly sick and they want you to pray and they could not care less if it sounds like a Hallmark card or not. They could not care less if it was, if it was eloquent. They could not, they don't care how fancy it is. They don't care about, they just want you to touch the throne room of heaven. They just want you to get real for just a minute and pray to the God above who's able to answer your prayers. He just wants us to be real. Desperation gets you there. Desperation makes you prayer, pray real prayers that really mean something because it's coming from a new place. It's coming from a, a place of need and hurt and pain. And Jesus was desperate, and he began praying desperate prayers. I remember growing up in church, I think we've lost the value of prayer, actually, in many ways. I remember growing up in church, and I grew up in a praying church, and you start praying, something's going to happen. I remember praying, and People getting happy when they would pray and they'd take off running around the church building. You may go, well, that's just wild. Do you think they cared? They were desperate. 
They couldn't care less if you liked it or not. They never asked. Well, I just don't like people. I've heard people come, come here. You may be sitting here this morning, and I'm not going to apologize. I've had people come to our church and go, I just don't like hearing people pray. It's just too confusing. Well, you get desperate enough, you'll open up your mouth and pray too. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about because you've never been desperate. Oh, I remember, I remember. I, I've never been. I, I grew up in a home, we, we didn't have a lot, especially as my child, young childhood, but I remember my mom telling me then, we're not poor. Now, we're kind of broke, but we're not poor. We're not poor. We don't have a lot, but we have a lot. I remember, I remember when we first start, we got first got married, and we bought a little 14 by 70 mobile home for $5,000. God, those were good days. I wish I could find another one of those right now. Buy two of them and put them side by side. I knew a guy that had three of them. He just matched the doors up side by side. Welcome to West Virginia. Three kitchens in one house. Go figure. $5,000, and we got a loan for $5,000 more because we had to fix that piece of junk up. And I remember not being able to make our house payment. And thinking, we're going to get this thing taken from us. $10,000 house. You know what it causes you to do? Pray. It got real. I wasn't over there going, Oh, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, no. I was just on my face going, God, we need money. We need you to do something. I remember when they called, they was going to come and get our car one time. And I didn't know what we were going to do. God, we need money. God, I need your help. And it got real. It got real because it got desperate. I remember, I remember when Steph found out she had cancer. You don't think we prayed? You, don't, you might not have seen it here, but you don't know how many tears and how many prayers were prayed. Desperate, honest, real prayers. Because desperation makes you pray. Makes you get real with God. and makes you get real with where you are. Some of you can't understand it because you've never been desperate. When I say desperation, I've heard families, you know, go, oh, oh we're just, it's so terrible and it's so bad and we don't know what we're going to do. And in Friday night, I see them out spending $50 eating dinner. You're not desperate. You're not desperate. Don't call me from, don't call me from Silver Dollar City and tell me how much you're in need. Uh, you know, don't tell me on, on Friday how bad you're in need and then I see posts on Saturday, you're Silver Dollar City. You're not desperate. Oh, you can get mad if you want to. It'll be fine. Jesus will help you. Desperation will get you on your knees and it'll make you pray real prayers. Prayers you didn't even know you'd pray because you never was desperate before. I've heard people go, well, you don't have to beg God for anything. Well, you will when you're desperate. You will when you're desperate. Well, you just have to speak it. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you when you're desperate. You know when it's easy to say things like that? When, you're, when everything's going really well for you. But when the world's falling apart around you, real prayers begin taking place in your life. 
I, I see Jesus and he's praying and he's praying something like this. God, if you could take this from me, do it. And I look at that and go, Jesus, what in the world are you thinking? He knew good and well that couldn't be taken from him. He was just being real. Can you imagine me and the disciples hearing Jesus pray this prayer? If I heard Jesus praying this prayer today, I'd be going, what's wrong with him? Oh, ye of little faith. He was just being honest. Now, you have to read the rest of it, but not my will, yours be done. Honesty. Let me, let me, show, you a couple, let me show you a couple of real honest prayers in the Bible. Matthew chapter 14. You don't need to turn there. I'm sure, certainly not going to get into the rest of this today. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is walking on the water. I've talked about this scripture a lot, but he's walking on the water. He invites Peter to step out of the boat to walk to where he is. The Bible says Peter's walking on the water and the waves is distracting him and his eyes leave the Savior and his eyes go onto the waves and he begins to sink. You're talking about a place of desperation when you're out in the middle of the sea way in over your head, don't know what you're doing, you're fully clothed and you're sinking in the water while the waves are coming over your head, that puts you in a place of desperation. Peter had no time, no time to get eloquent. He had no time to get fancy with his prayer. He had no time to, to get his prayer, you know, clothes on and go in so he can kneel down. Oh, God, help. He didn't have time for that. There was no time for it. There was no place for it. He didn't worry about, oh, does this sound right or does this not sound right? I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if I should thank God first and then pray or should I put on my, let me put on my worship music so I can, there was no time for that. You know what he got? He got a desperate prayer and he had to do it like that. And the prayer said this, save me. That was the prayer. Save me. That's it. Save, I'm desperate and I'm sinking and I'm going under and I don't know what else to do and God, I need you in the worst way right now in my life. Save me. That was the prayer. He didn't even follow it up with in Jesus' name. Nothing. Just desperate. Just desperate. Save me. Save me. The Bible says Jesus reached down and grabbed him by the hand picked him up, brought him to the boat. It was desperation, and it led to a pure prayer. It led to a pure prayer. Let me give you another example in the Bible. Mark chapter 10. Jesus is passing through this town called Jericho. He's walking down the street of Jericho with a a crowd of people around him because it got to where every time he traveled somewhere, he'd have a crowd of people around him. And he's walking down the streets of Jericho and he hears a voice. He hears somebody yelling out his name. Catches his attention. But what catches his attention is what that person was yelling. It was a prayer. And here was the prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That was it. The blind man, the blind man that was standing on the side of the street in Jericho 
heard the crowd, and he heard that in the middle of that crowd there was this man named Jesus, and suddenly as that crowd was passing him by and it just went beyond where he was, he realized, I have this small window of opportunity and I better take advantage of it right now. And he had no time to sit down with his pen and paper and pen out some beautiful poetic prayer and fold it up neatly and hand it. He had no time to journal. There was no journaling taking place. All he could do was just yell out, Jesus, have mercy on me. It is kind of a crazy story. Those closest to him was going, you need to be quiet. Now, this is the son of God. He does not have time to listen to that kind of crazy foolishness. Now, you sit yourself right down and you be quiet. The Bible said this about him. It made him want to do it louder. I like that guy. Just as soon as he was told to be quiet, he's like, I'm going to get just a little bit louder. Just, I don't even know if it was in, from the right heart. It was probably just to stick it to him. He said, said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says Jesus stopped where he was because it was a prayer of purity. It was a prayer of honesty. It's funny that Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he would say, oh, they get up on their pedestals and they pray in in their beautiful garments and they pray these eloquent prayers. And they're getting nothing from it because it's from the wrong heart. Yet when a poor blind beggar would be screaming out from the side streets of Jericho, have mercy on me, he would stop in his footsteps and go back to where that blind beggar was and heal him. What's the difference? The difference was the heart. The difference was the heart. One was coming from a place of purity. One was coming from a place of desperation. One was coming from a, a, a place of, of honesty. The other one was coming from a, this, this selfish, arrogant, self-righteous spirit. God is, has zero interest in that. What he's interested in is a church of people who would just fall on their face before God and say, God, I need you. Because what prayer really is, prayer has never been about notifying God of your problem. In fact, we read it earlier. Jesus already knows your problem. He already knows what you're going through. You're not notifying God of what you're going through. He already knows that. We always act like our prayers are surprising God. Like, God, you don't know it but I cannot get this bill paid this month and I don't know what, God already knows you can't get that bill paid this month. Prayer isn't about notifying God of your problem, though it's not wrong to tell God of your problems. But it's never been about notifying God of your problem. It's about recognizing I need you, God, in my problem. What prayer is, is humbling ourselves to the point that it's not, again, about me notifying God. It's about me saying, God, here's my problem. I can't fix it. And I need you. I need you. In this hour of my life, I need you. Even Jesus, as he was facing something that none of us have ever faced, he went into the garden he didn't turn on the worship music. And you might, you might go, well, preach, you sound like you're against worship music. No, I'm not. I'll just say this. 
I think we put a lot more emphasis on praising than we ever do praying. And I'll take you another step further, and you might not like this, but take it home and think about it. One of the reasons is because praising makes you feel good. Can I hear an amen? I love praising God. He deserves every bit of worship and praise, and I think we ought to do it. I think we ought to do it with some I think we ought to do it with some exuberance. I think we ought to do it with some excitement. I think you ought to praise God because he's worthy of the praise, and the way you praise him is an indicator to me of what you think of him. So if you go, well, I'm praising God. How great is our God. Hey, oh, that's, that tells me exactly what you think of him. I think praise is extremely important. We need to do it. But I always, always, when I start praising the Lord, come away from there going, man, I feel better. Do you know prayer isn't always that way? Prayer isn't always that way. How many times do we have things in our life that, that you go, I need to go talk to, I need to go talk to someone about this. I need to go talk to Keith and Beth. I think they'd have the answers. I, I need to go talk to Josh and Haley. I think they'd have the answers for it. I just need to go get, I need to talk to someone. And you've never taken one minute to talk to the creator of the universe about it. Isn't that interesting? It's almost like we're afraid of prayer. And I look at this passage of scripture and then I realize something. Praying isn't always easy. Praying isn't always easy. I, I think there was times even here for Jesus, it wasn't easy. It was just pure. It was just honest. And I want to encourage us this month, it's Thanksgiving, the month of Thanksgiving. I want to encourage us this month, a challenge for us as a church. Individually, let's spend more time Praying. I'm not going to tell you where and how. And I understand Jesus said, "Don't get up in front of the, of, you know, in front of everybody, and don't worry about what everyone's thinking. And go to your prayer closet." What He's really saying is, just get alone with your Father and talk to Him. So the challenge for us is this week. Let's all find time this week. Now, let me no, no, let me rephrase that. Forget finding time because you'll never find it. Let's all make time. You've got just as many hours as I've got. Let's all make time to do a little bit like Paul said. Pray without ceasing. Let's make time for God this week just to communicate with him from a purity of heart. God, here's what I'm going through. God, here's my pain. Here's my hurt. Here's my concern. I don't know what to do in this situation. I've got a lost child, God, and I just don't know what to do. They need you. I, I've got a decision to make it on a job, and I just don't know what to do. I've got this relationship that I, I can't figure it out. God, I need you. Now, let's just take some time this week to get honest before God and spend with him in prayer. Amen? Can we do that? Let's make it pure.
Let's make it pure. I didn't even get, I had three points. I got one. This is going to be a long series. I can already feel it. Christmas is coming. I got to wrap it up before then. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. Prayer. The most simple, yet one of the most powerful tools God's ever given. The, the very, you know, the, the Old Testament into the New Testament. There was a lot of major changes between those. Now, I love reading the Old Testament. I do. I, I enjoy it. I, I love reading the Old Testament. But there were some major shifts that took place when Jesus came. One of the greatest shifts that took place in man's relationship with God was the very fact that every person breathing on this earth has the ability to talk to God. I no longer have to go to a priest. I no longer have to go to a confessional. I no longer have to do any. I just, I have this right now just to talk to God. And he hears me. He hears me. Next week, the Lord willing, we can talk a little bit about answered prayers. And I'll give you a heads up. The next one is prayers are perplexing. Not complicated. Really, the prayers aren't perplexing. The answers are sometimes, maybe another word to use would be puzzling. That sounds better. I think I'll go with that. Puzzling. Because because really, is there a such thing as an unanswered prayer? I mean, God hears us when we pray, and he's wanting us to pray from a pure heart. There's some things that God doesn't give me when I pray for it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's unanswered. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like when your prayers don't get answered. Because I think we've all been there. I think we've all been there. But today I just want to challenge us and let's pray, pray pure prayers. Honest, true, maybe even for you gut-wrenching, painful prayers. Of God, here I am. And, and my life's wide open and you know it all. And I've messed up, and I've been a mess up, and I've made mistakes. But God, I need you. I need you.